Okay. So a leader shares for 10 minutes uh, while I share the basket will be passed for the seventh tradition. Uh, we are fully self-supporting through our own contributions. Um, my name is Larry. I'm an alcoholic. Hi, Larry. Uh, when I share these types like this, I, I like to share about the steps and how they how they work in my life. Um, and and I'll disclaimer: nothing I say is AA approved, so we'll get that out of the way. Um, you know, when I came in AA, I came in AA in uh, 2009, uh, not as an alcoholic, uh, court, on a court card. Um, Jails and institutions aren't a part of my story. I went a 45-year run without being arrested, so yay, I did real good on that. Um, but then I screwed that up and you know had got arrested again and um, and dove into this program because it, none of that really mattered to me. Um, I was that close to losing my family all the way, and that's that's what really got me. You know, they always said, you know, we love you, but we'll be over here. You know. Um, and so that was enough for me to dive into this program, got commitments, um, started going to 6 a.m. meeting every day, every day, rode my bike from the sober living, you know. I was a good earner all my life, and then I, you know, my get well job was $8.25 an hour, mopping the floor at Easy Lube with a bicycle, you know. Um, because I smoked my house away, smoked my truck away, smoked my business away. It's all gone, right? Um, just under two years, loving the program, um, life is getting way better. I never really had a problem with alcohol, so I think I can go to happy hour with the guys, right? Yeah, well, here we go. Progressive illness. Nine, ten years later, raging alcoholic, living in two-hour intervals, you know, uh, because COVID hit, right? Then I don't have to suit up and show up for work anymore. I can be on the computer. So I lived in two-hour intervals. Drink, get drunk, email, piss people off, and pass out. And it was every two, it was two hours, two hours, two hours. Two, and it just got to where, you know, now, now I can't even come to, a, come to a meeting on Zoom because I'm drunk, I'm too drunk, you know? And the wife, call in, call in for me. And then finally she said, I'm not doing that anymore, right? So I, I knew where to go because of my first uh, introduction to AA. And, um, you know, the first time I came into AA, I, 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 I dove in, but you know what? I was not going to sponsor anyone. No way do I want that responsibility. Nuh-uh. So when I came in this time and I chose my sponsor, um, he said, I'll work with you under one condition, that you work with another man when you, when you finish these 12 steps. So I think that's the game changer this time, was working with another guy. You know, page 89 says it's a bright spot of our lives. It's something we must not miss, you know? Um, I am a recovered alcoholic because the, I, I fully, fully believe in everything this book tells me. The forward to the first, first edition says, I have recovered from a seemingly hopeless state of mind and body. But then page 85 tells me that I have a daily reprieve as far as my alcoholism goes. You know, I have a reprieve and I love that word reprieve because when I, you know, I got to look things up, reprieve. What does that mean? Postponement of punishment. I, ha I can postpone that punishment as long as I am spiritually fit. You know, that's another thing that I kind of missed, I think, the first time, because I always had a belief in a creator, always, to the bottom of my heart, there, there was a creator, but never had any faith. He put me here, I've got self-will, he'll see me when I'm done, you know? And that didn't really work out too well. Now this book teaches me that, yeah, my will is good, but it needs to be aided. It needs to be aided by a power greater than myself. 
Um, you know, the, the, as far as the steps goes, I'll try to keep this brief because I'm only 10 minutes. And I was supposed to start my timer, so. Um, but like when I get to the third step and, and I'm checking it out with my sponsor and here's a crushing blow. It tells me I don't even know how to be kind. I'm like, what, what, do you, what is it? Now, I'm always a loving, giving guy, even when I'm drunk and high, you know? And it says, aren't we self-seeking even when trying to be kind? And I go, well, let's have a take a look at that now. Oh, yeah, I'm the type of guy that holds the door open for someone at the supermarket and says, you're welcome. <laughs> There's got to be a payoff, right? There's always got to be a payoff. So those are the things that I didn't know before this time in Alcoholics Anonymous. Um, that four step is like just such a game changer. I hear people are so, excuse me. People are so afraid of that four step. And I was like, I was in so much pain that I'm like, bring it on. I'll do anything to stop this loneliness and this pain, the quicksand, you know? Um, and so er, quickly I realized in my four step that it was gonna be a valuable, valuable tool for me to go on through life. and go on through life with some peace and serenity, right? And it, it tells me, you know, who it is, what they did, how it made me feel, that kind of thing. Put my pen back to paper, find out my part, you know? And I got a really good story that I'll share with you. So I'm about eight or nine months sober, right? Been through the 12 steps with my sponsor. And me and my family, we like to gamble. And they're all hard drinkers, right? It's my wife, myself, my, my son, and my daughter-in-law. We go up to Pechanga on Friday night, and we're going to spend the night and have a good time, and everything's all good, and we're going to leave first thing in the morning, right? Well, morning comes, we're going to leave at lunch. Lunch comes, we're going to leave at dinner, you know? Hey, Dad, how about we stay another night? Okay, cool, we'll stay another night. We'll leave early. We'll leave early on, on, a, on a Sunday morning. Okay, okay. Morning turns into afternoon. Afternoon turns into night, and I'm like... I'm a, I, my home group is the Huntington Beach Early Birds Recovery Garage. I go to 6 a.m. meeting every morning. I'm a 6 a.m. guy. It's hard for me to say good evening because I'm used to saying good morning, good morning. And so we're, 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 it gets me 7, 8 o'clock, and I'm like, all right, I'm done. I'm going to go up to the room. I'm going to get my stuff packed. I'm going to go in the car, and I'll wait on you guys to come. Sitting in the car, 10 minutes pass, 20 minutes pass, 30 minutes pass, 40 minutes pass, and I'm getting pissed off. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm getting very mad, right? And I'm just like, these guys are just totally, look, I've been a good guy. I, I prolonged my day. I spent the night again. I prolonged my day again. I gave and gave and gave and gave and look how you're treating me. And I'm mad and I'm going to give them the what for when they get in the car. This ride home is going to be, I'm going to give it to them, right? And I'm enjoying this anger, you know, because those defects, sometimes I do enjoy them. They're getting shorter and shorter as I get more into this, this program. But um, so then I'm sitting and I realized, you know, I don't like the way I feel right now. Oh, maybe the steps will help, you know. Fourth step, I start to take some inventory. Yeah, this is who it is, this is what they did. Make me feel this way, and what's my part? Oh, oh, I brought drunken gamblers to a casino, and I'm mad because they won't <laughs> leave when I say fall in line. And I sat there and just alone in the car, just laughed at myself. Just, you idiot, you know. There's my part, so you know what happened? They got, I got over, God, please remove this from me, remove this anger, you know, it's the awareness, the willingness in step six and step seven, humbly ask and take it away from me, you know. They got to the car and guess what? That ride home was so, I get choked up because the ride home was so cool. 
because Larry got the heck out of the way, you know. We laughed, we sang, we, we remembered things we did over the weekend, you know. So there's a, there's a, that's, that's just proof that this program works when I apply it, you know. Um, the fifth step, a little story about the fifth step. I go to my sponsor's house, we start reading the fifth step. My company is uh, Australia-based, so the time zones are different. And I, I'm used to getting a lot of calls at 7, 8 o'clock at night because it's their daytime. And so I'm just sitting down, we're getting into it, and my phone rings, and I see it's, it's the guys in Australia. I'm like, and here, here's where, you know, less than, it's my fault, something's wrong, we're releasing a new product, something's going to be really bad. Click, I'm not going to answer that right now, right? So we go through my fifth step, and, and I share my story and everything, and, and still in the back of my head, man, what is going on at work and blah, blah, blah. And so I get in my car, and I pull out, and I'm like, you know, we just talked about fear and how it's the evil corroding thread that our lives are shot through with. So I pull off, and I go, I'm going to call him right now and get through this thing. No answer. <laughs> cool, I'm off the hook. Pull into my house. As soon as I pull up, my phone rings. And it's, it's, it's Eden from Australia, and he says, Hey, Larry, what was the Pantone color of that new product we're going to put out? That's it. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> so I'm racing all this BS in my head about, you know, what it is, and I'm less than, and it's my fault, and all wasted time, you know. And I find now in Alcoholics Anonymous and, and, and in practicing these principles that, the fear is just, it's, 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 it's all made up in my head, you know. Um, I love the sixth step. Man, you know, the sixth step is just a little paragraph there in the, in the book. And so I love that I can go to, and I believe Bill did write the 12 and 12, and I go to the 12 and 12, and there's another thing that I didn't know until I read this, that, like, I always thought it was okay to be a little angry, or I always thought it was a little okay to be a little greedy or a little lustful. Well, I read that, no, just because you don't murder, you know, you're not so angry that you murder, it's not okay. Just because you're not lustful enough to rape or greedy enough to steal, it's not okay. Duh, you know, how simple is that? So when I apply that, I have some peace and serenity, you know. This, this, this program is just, just, I can't sing its praises enough. And that's, that's, I know it's because I do practice these principles in all my affairs. And I do try to give freely of what I've found. You know, um, like I said, on page 89, it says about the, the bright spot in our lives, you know. The first guy I worked with about eight months in, to see a 42-year-old man giddy like a teenage schoolgirl because he's getting his license, you know. That's something you don't miss, man. It's just, it's just a wonderful thing, you know. And to have him sponsor other guys. Before the meeting, one of my sponsees called me and says, I'm ready to go and do a fifth step with so-and-so, you know? I mean, what a wonderful thing, passing it on, you know? And it's such a simple program, you know? It's, it's, my sponsor likes to say, stay out of your own way. Just stay out of your own way. Because when I said, I don't want to sponsor someone, he's like, would you get over yourself? Who do you think you are, you know? Share with them your experience and read out of the book, you know? And be there for them. And that's all it took. And my life is, when I get up at, I get up at 3.30 to go to my 6 a.m. meeting in the morning. And when I leave the house at about 5 a.m., I kiss my wife every morning when she's asleep. I'll get texts, and I, I'll get texts from her about 5.30. Did you kiss me today? What a gift of the program. What a gift of the program. Those little things, you know. 
It wasn't that way before because one thing, I didn't want her to smell my breath because it was going to be, it doesn't matter if it, what time it was, it was going to smell like vodka. And I was going to end up having to apologize for something that I don't even know. <laughs> you know? <laughs> I know because I can just I can just feel her aura, you know. She's asleep and I know she's pissed. Because I, the night before I did or said something that was asinine, you know. It's not that way anymore for me. It's not that way anymore. And it's all a gift of this program. Um, all, all I have to do today is try to trust God a little more. The God of my understanding, another wonderful thing about this program. Try to clean house as much as I can and try to help others. And when I do those things to the best of my ability, because it is prog pro progress, not perfection, my life is wonderful. I live virtually stress-free today because I have these principles and because I know my higher power, with my higher power, mine, my own personal one, I'm exactly where I'm supposed to be. Whatever's happening to me is exactly what's supposed to be happening to me. And I get some peace from that. You know, I, I, no, longer, I no longer try to control life. I try to contribute, you know. And that's the big deal. You know, I don't, I'm not putting the lights and all that stuff together. You know, I still have defects and I still love to grab, in my four step, I ripped those defects off my back where I didn't see them or I didn't want to see them or didn't know they were there, right? Now they're just floating out there because I know that, and it, it says in the 12 and 12 again, I believe that, you know, God doesn't render us white as snow without our cooperation. So I have those defects floating out there and sometimes I grab them. Like I said, that time in the casino, I want to be angry right now, you know? Because I like to feel superior. And the weird thing is, is as I feel superior, there's always something in me to say I'm less than, you know. And so there's always this thing going on, you know. I don't, I don't have to go through that anymore because I'm exactly where I'm supposed to be and try to contribute rather than control and pass it on. And, you know, just also the, the force of, if I can't find my part, which 99.9999%, I, you know, even if my part is I'm tied up, that's my part, right? But if I can't find some sort of solution, the book even tells me, just be kind, man. Just be kind. You wouldn't treat the dude sick just like you, right? The girl's sick just like you. You wouldn't treat a sick friend that way. Just be kind, you know? Now when I look at people that, 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 that tie me up a little bit, I end up, my higher power ends up telling me that you're him, dude. You're him. I sit in a meeting and some guy's spouting off some stupid stuff and, you know, uh, because I know what's best. He's spouting off stupid stuff and I'm, I'm like pissed off about that word. And then I realized, dude, my higher power goes, Larry, sit down and shut up. You're the same way. Do you like attention? Sure do, you know. Only when I do it, it's funny. <laughs> you know, those kinds of things. That dude is me, you know, the, 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 the little analogy of cutting someone off the freeway. That dude is me. I cut people off on the freeway and I'll do it a million times more. So. These are things that I've learned in this program, and uh, I thank you for allowing me to be here tonight and being part of my recovery and letting me be a little part of yours. Um, again, I can't sing AA's praises enough. Man, this thing is just the higher power and, and the principles and, and my, my home group, my meetings, my sponsor. It's just a wonderful deal. So thank you very much for, for, for allowing me to share tonight. Yeah. Right back to the script here. So our speaker tonight is Jesse. Let's hear it for Jesse. Slow down, Jesse. <laughs> Jesse asked me to come tonight to speak, and I learned now 
Before you say yes, you say where. Because <laughs> hey, I'm from Huntington. Huntington. So I guess you take care of that when you're done. Right? No, I, I, no you got to uh, take care of that. Oh, okay. Well, well, yes, you got to. <laughs> Thank you. Good evening. My name is Jesse. I am an alcoholic. I'm very grateful that I got to wake up this morning. I didn't have to come to. And thanks for inviting us. Thank you, Les. Appreciate it. But, uh, pleasure to be here. I probably have a difficult time Maybe, because I haven't done this in a few years, but uh, I'll go into that later. Uh, for a moment, I'd like to pause and try to let God catch up. Okay. Now I can do is remember what, what I said to him. <laughs> so anyway, let's see. I'll go quickly, maybe. <laughs> um, I was born in Albuquerque, New Mexico. Don't remember much about it. I was uh, there for two weeks after I was born, and we moved on. I was born at San Dimas Base. It's a naval base out in the middle of Mexico, Albuquerque, New Mexico. And I always wondered, why would they have a Navy base in the middle of the desert? There's no room for a big ship out there. <laughs> Already felt out of place. But uh, wound up settling in Santa Ana. I was three years old. And uh, that was back in the days when uh, Orange County had orange trees. And uh, I could ride around with my bicycle and my bow and arrow and my little hot dog, weenie dog. And uh, go hunt rabbits and birds and do whatever I wanted to do. Now, I grew up as an only child. Um, I say that because I, I felt out of place. My mom and dad lost 13 children, some before and some after me. And I wondered, why am I here? Again, feeling out of place. Both of my parents were, were alcoholics. They both were functioning alcoholics. My mom was a house mom. We had a house that you would walk in and want to take your shoes off. It was spotless every day. But by noon, she's got dinner cooking and sitting in front of the TV watching soaps and drinking vodka on the rocks. And my dad was a beer drinker. Every day when he got home from work, he'd drink a few beers. He wouldn't get all drunk and everything, but he would have three, four beers, five beers, but every day. My mom died of kidney failure. Wonder why her kidneys quit working, drinking vodka all the time. And my dad, I wound up in the latter part of his life having uh, legal custody of him for the last 10 years of his life. And in that time period, we took him into different doctor's offices and stuff and finally found one that was willing to do MRIs on his brain and we found out the answer. They like to call it dementia today but it really was wet brain. And a wet brain which actually what it's doing is shrinking up. 
And uh, he passed several years ago. But uh, at that time, he was at the point where he was in a nursing home and uh, didn't even know who I was or where he was or nothing. So anyway, tough way to watch, tough thing to watch. And by the time he passed away, I was sober several years. Um, I got to catch myself here. Now we'll go into some of the story about me. Let's see. I uh, didn't start drinking until I was in my 20s. Um, at 22 years old, I pronounced my mom dead. I watched her take her last breath. And being the only child, my dad was doing what an alcoholic does. He jumped into drinking. and So I'd take care of the funeral arrangements and all that good stuff. And my mom had already told me what she wanted. She wanted a church service, then be cremated and spread at sea. And uh, we uh, went around and went to the church that she had been a member of for many years. And sat there with the, a person and uh, we went through the, the date and the time and what we're gonna do. And then he asked me this question, what are we gonna do with your mom's body after the church service? Her wishes to be cremated, but to see. Nope, we're not having that. We're not doing a service for her, her here. I said, wait a minute, somebody above you a few years before had said they recognized cremation. He says, maybe they do, I don't. He told me to leave right now. Leave now. Kick me out of the church. And I can tell you today that that is when my drinking went from occasional to daily. That I had cut myself off from any type of higher power, God, spirit, anything. I, uh, I walked out of that building, looked up and said, God, if you got your people down here working for you and acting this way, I want nothing to ever do with you again. And that's when my drinking escalated. Um, and today I look back at it as, you know what? It's just the way it was supposed to be, you know? Because now I'm supposed to be here. And I went along my merry way for several years. Then I got my first DUI. I think that was in 86. And my attitude was, oh well, no big deal. Everybody I knew had already had at least one DUI. That tells you the kind of people I'm hanging around with now, right? And uh, I'm also at that time a boat and ship captain. I got my captain's license at 19 years old. I started working on the sport fishing boats at Newport Harbor at uh, 12 years old. And uh, so I did all the requirements, the fun stuff, you know, go to court, pay fines, go to drug driving school, and you get your get well card. And I went to an AA meeting, the first meeting I went to. Now I already got this resentment of God. And the meeting I went to, person stood up in the middle of the meter and pointed, looked right at me, and he says, you have to start reading the Bible, and you have to go to church every day. And I said, no, I don't, and blank, blank, blank words. 
and walked out. And I'm not going back to AA again, if that's what it's all about. And uh, that did a lot of good, not. I uh, <clears throat> went along my merry way again. Nine months later, that little red light went on behind me again. This time, it is not, oh well, no big deal. It's they're picking on me, they're following me, they're after me. It was uh, not good. And I got to go through all that fun stuff again. But I had learned from the first drunk driving with my get well card. And I don't suggest this to anybody that's on a get well card right now, but this is what I did. I did the pen shuffle. Red pen, the blue pen, the black pen, and I signed my own get well card. And uh, the humor in that is the first sponsor that I had worked at school 10. <laughs> But, um, so I did that, I got all done with that, and I said, I'll never get caught again. So we would go out on the boat, I'm talking 60, 70, 80 foot boat, 90 foot boat, 30, 40, 50 people on the boat. And I'm drinking the whole time. And uh, when we'd get in, we had a good day of fishing, we got to go celebrate. Every fishing landing up and down this coast has a bar at the top of the ramp. So we would all go up there, my passengers and me, and we'd go up there, have a few drinks, and I'd say, and I'd call home and say, you know, I'm only gonna have one and I'll be right on my way. And like midnight or so, it's like, did it again, banging on a bar counter. They're not gonna catch me. I go back down to the boat and go to sleep on the boat. Good idea. It's good for the rest of the public. Didn't do me much good. And after three or four days of doing that, I smelled worse than the fish. <laughs> um, but that didn't stop me. But God always has a plan. And I, you hear the difference in me from what I just said a little bit ago to now. God has a plan. And... It came time for me to renew my captain's license. You have to do that every five years. I go in there with all my class work and stuff that I had to do, and because you got to do radar classes, firefighting classes, blah, 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 blah. So I go in, they give me the test, I take the test, I pass the test, they hand me my license, and a lieutenant commander standing behind me grabbed me by the shoulder and spun me around and said, now we're going to take that one away from you, boy. What? He says, yeah, on your application, you lied, and it's a federal document, punishable by six years in jail at least. What? Yeah. It said, on there, have you ever had a DUI? And my attitude was, it's none of their darn business. <laughs> so I said, no. Well, by 1990, they had come up with these things called computers. And I knew nothing about them. <laughs> and they had looked it up while I was taking my test. And that started the, the ball rolling to get here. Um, they gave me my license, but they said, you can't use it. Go home and think about this. Here is an attorney's phone number that handles 
these type of cases. It's a, a federal offense with a magistrate judge. And uh, man, I'm in deep trouble now. And uh, what that person told me, that lawyer, he told me, well, he said, what are we gonna do? Go in there and tell them that you didn't do it? You've already been convicted in court in the, for the state of California. So we can't tell them you, you didn't do it. He says, I suggest that you go back over to the Coast Guard station and ask for help and ask about the clemency program and then learn how to follow directions to get the drift. He's probably one of us. I never did meet him. And uh, then he said, good luck to you. And so that's, I did that. It took several weeks before I got up the nerve to go back to the Coast Guard station. Handed them my license. I said, I want to do clemency. I filled out the paperwork. I said, well, what do I do? He said, well, the first thing you got to do, you got to go to a hospital program. Well, no, I don't. I drink beer only. I don't have a problem. And he goes, well, if you want your license back, that's the first thing you got to do is go to a hospital program. Well, which one? Where do I go? And he says, we're not in the business of advertising different hospital programs. You find one, call us, we'll let you know whether it's approved or not. They ain't doing stuff for me, you know, like I want them to do, you know? And uh, that was in October. This is the time period I never want to ever forget. I went from October to December with the poor me's, pouring me another beer. The highlight of my day was laying on the couch waiting for Bonanza to come on. But I don't have a problem. You know, uh, well, why was Bonanza so important? Well, I could not figure out little Joe. And Bonanza, all of his girlfriends either ran away with his best friend or they got killed. The next show is Little House on the Prairie and he's got a family and a wife. How'd that happen? You know, takes an alcoholic to think that way. <laughs> but uh, December 8th is what's now the ex-wife, but the wife, her birthday. So, okay, we're gonna go out and celebrate her birthday. What does that mean? That means I get to drink. We went to Maxwell's by the Pier down there in Huntington Beach. And uh, remember going in, now we're celebrating. I said I drink beer only. Well, that was because I thought I was controlling and enjoying my drinking. But now I love seven and sevens. So we're having seven and sevens and I'm having way too many of them. Remember walking out of there, walked across the southbound lanes of uh, PCH, northbound lanes of uh, PCH, I don't remember. I don't remember how we got home. First clue that there was a problem as I'm on the couch, not in the big bed. Clue number two, my untreated Al-Anon wife is standing over me with that look and that finger and that mouth. And it was like, oh, <laughs> I finally went, please leave me alone. I know I need help and I want help. 
she left for a little bit. I rolled off the couch, leaned up against the coffee table, and prayed to God, please help me. I know you want me to quit drinking, and I know I need to quit drinking. Please help me. Sends chills through me today when I think about it. Because I never had the desire to drink after that. And she come back in and she goes, well, you're ready? What are we going to do? I said, well, we need to find a hospital program for me. Untreated Al-Anon, what she do? Grab the phone, start calling around, doing it for me. She uh, called a hospital down there and uh, they said they would take me. And uh, then they not so politely told her, we need to talk to him, not you. He's going to be the patient, not you. Hurt her feelings. <laughs> she threw the phone at me, and uh, I started talking to him. And first, it was a, a decision. Do I want to go inpatient 28 days, or do I want to go outpatient two, two nights a week? Well... Yeah, well, life's better if I'm home, so I'll stretch it out for four months. Yeah, that's a good idea, huh? Then they go, okay, you want to do that? Well, the first day available is December 24th. Now all these classes are at night. That's Christmas Eve. Really? I, well, I got things to do. You either show up down here on the 24th, or go somewhere else. Now I'm sensing to hurt my itty bitty feelings. They're, they're telling me to go away. But I went. And that started the journey. And uh, it started out, God will do for us, will do for me, what I won't do for myself. School 10, where did I sit? And the dare to get sober roll all the way in the back. Okay? Now I'm in this hospital program. Guess what? I'm the only one there. I have no place to hide. And for three weeks, two nights each week, it's one-on-one -on -one with the counselor. And uh, the counselor finally said, after three weeks, she goes, you know, you have uh, been working along with this thing pretty good. But you haven't gone to any AA meetings yet. Now, I still had that resentment from AA where the guy got in my face about, about reading the Bible and God and all that stuff. And uh, so she goes, okay, well, tonight we're going to not be in the classroom. You're driving, and we're going to an AA meeting at the uh, Costa Mesa Alana Club. Oh, okay. At that time, was about as old as I am now. And uh, I was afraid for her because there's all these bikers there and all this stuff. It's like, oh no. We walk in, she knew almost everybody's there. <laughs> and uh, that got me going to meetings. And then I started hearing this thing about a sponsor. Now, what is a sponsor? I had no clue what a sponsor's for or does or anything. What I knew was in the boating industry, they got these race boats and stuff like that, and they have sponsors 
financing them. So what do I think? Good, I'll find a sponsor and help finance me because I'm unemployable now. You know, everything will be okay. I said that in the morning meeting that I was going to, and everybody laughed and said, no, no, no. It's somebody that you can sense has a peace and calmness in him that knows the big book, like Larry. He knows the pages and all that stuff. He's been through it. And somebody that kind of seems compatible for you. So what did I do? I listened in the room. The guy I picked was a cross-country truck driver. Why did I pick him? His big tractor-trailer rig had a diesel engine in it. The boats I ran had big diesel engines in them. That's why I picked them. God will do for us what we won't do for ourselves. I, uh, bottom line, I was with him when he took his last breath by his request when they unplugged him. That's how close we became. He became somewhere between my father figure and a brother. Now, we got into doing the steps. We did the first three steps all at one time at his house. He says, it doesn't say anything in that book about writing stuff down. He says, you admit you're an alcoholic. He said, trust me, your life is unmanageable. You can't even go to work. Two, that you're, um, I forget. Hold on. Where is it? Came to believe that a power greater than yourselves could, could restore you to sanity. And he told me a story about himself. He had two and a half years sobriety. And he wound up in the rubber room. And his sponsor came to visit him. And he asked his sponsor, how come I'm in here? Because God's restoring you to sanity. <laughs> you know? And then step three, made a decision to turn our will, which is my mind, our lives, which is our action, over to the care of God as we understood him. And I still had this anger thing about the God, God deal. But he said, pick your own idea of a God. And then he finally told me what it says in the 12 and 12. G-O-D, group of drunks. He says, the group, everybody there, is doing something you can't do. They're staying sober. So, use them as your higher power. Since then, I've heard some other really interesting ones. I've spent a little bit of time up in Mammoth here the last few years. G-O-D, great outdoors. Go out there and go for a walk in the forest and stuff. Try to see what God does out there. It, uh, it, it humbles you. You know, I don't have to be afraid of that God anymore. The one I know now, I got from the book of Alcoholics Anonymous. It says, deep down within every man, woman, and child is the fundamental idea of God. It might be hidden, but it's there. And for me, once I started accepting that, I've had some amazing things happen to me. Um, I'll get back to that in a little bit. Step four, 
My sponsor said, okay, now you can do step four. And by that time, I'm going to a meeting that was using, back in that day, there were uh, tapes, cassette tapes, of Joe and Charlie, the big book comes alive. We would listen to 45 minutes, take a break, come back in, and try to keep the meeting on what did you hear, what did you hear, what did you hear tonight. You know, 45 minutes of time, my head wanders off once in a while, and I don't hear everything. Um, and in that meeting, they had a handout with the fourth step by the big book, all laid out. Thing you got to do is go make more copies, especially on the first one. The resentments? Oh, I haven't got any resentments. So I started writing, and there was pages and pages of stuff kept coming up. And uh, my sponsor he knew that I had all this stuff. He said, "Well, after a few weeks, he goes, have you started on your fourth step? Uh, well, no, not yet." He says, "All right." Next week, I had to call him every day. Every day I had to call him. A week later, he goes, you get started yet on that four step? Well, no, not yet. Third week, well, no, not yet. He hung up on me and then called back and said, you either start your four step or you're going to go get drunk. The choice is yours. He goes, I've already done my four step. I'm not doing yours. And he hung up again. I'm still real sensitive, but that was the best thing he could do to me. The next morning I went to, at that time it was a 7.30 morning meeting, and I would, uh, I got back home, and I'm home at that time. My son's off to preschool, the wife's off to work, and I'm home alone. Now that same coffee table that I knelt up against had on it, my big book. Oh, I had a brand new notepad, a brand new pen, and then the outline form. And I looked at that stuff and I prayed, God help me. I know I need to do this first step. Please help me write it. Put the pen on the paper. I don't know how long it took. I like to say 45 minutes, but I didn't pay attention to time that much. But it wasn't all that long, and I had pages of resentments, several pages of fear, sexual conduct, and I was done. Now, I've been afraid of doing this. It's cleansing. It felt good. I was happy. I finally did something in AA. So I called my sponsor. This is good. I'll see you in the morning. Oh, shit. Now, i got to tell him. <laughs> That's what I was afraid of. And got to his house, had me answer some questions out of the big book. Then he says, okay, go ahead and start reading all your stuff up. And he picks up a magazine that's in front of his face. Really? You're not even listening to me? I'm spilling my guts. Put a little pencil in his hand. And on the margins inside that magazine, he was writing character defects and shortcomings <laughs> and uh, thank God for the old-timers that have been through things and know how to help us along our way
When I got done giving him my fifth step, he says, okay, now go home and rest for an hour. That's what it says in the book. So I went home. I fell asleep for an hour, exactly an hour, and woke up. And wow. And I felt completely different. Now, six and seven are the forgotten steps a lot of times. Right now, if anybody's reading the Daily Reflections, that's what they're talking about. But um, they never go away. I never get them completely tucked away. They pop back up. When Larry was up here speaking, he looked at me on one of his anger things. Because I went through that the other day. Some person about 30-something years old kicked a skateboard out in front of me in my truck. I went to hit the brakes, and I looked in the mirror, and there's a truck right behind me. So I couldn't really lock them up. I ran over that skateboard. Right now, my radiator's leaking on my truck. And the guy did it on purpose. He looked right at me, and he kicked the thing out. And uh, it's like, what's this world coming to? I don't know. I can tell you one thing. He's probably one of us, because he looked like it. We know what they look like. We know. I know what I look like. I didn't take showers for days at a time. So I had a few choice words with him, and then I told him I was sorry afterwards. But, you know, we don't get cured. We just put things neatly away for a while. And then we get to learn lessons again. Um, step number eight. I brought my book up here so I can go through and remember the steps. But I'll take it. Step number eight. Made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. I remade that list when I did my four step. And I hear a lot of people burn their four step after they do the fifth step. Well, then you got to figure all that stuff out again and write it down. You already got it. You can add to it because more will be rebuilt. God doesn't give us any more than we can handle. Okay? So what I wrote down beginning was so much and I added to it and then I started making my amends. Now making amends. Well I went to one of my bosses one time. Back in my drinking days, these were little boats, they're 40, 45 foot, but I'd go down there and do a night shift. But when I didn't have trips out to ships, I would steal the boat and go pull lobster traps that I had set in LA Long Beach Harbor, which is illegal, and I'm stealing a federally documented boat, which is a federal offense, and uh, I go back to this guy to make amends on all that. He says, oh, I knew you were stealing the boat. I was waiting for you to give me some lobsters. He says, now, you want a job? I said, well, no, I already got a job, but thanks. Um, I had a person on my uh, list that I knew had moved away. I'd stole some tools from him out of his garage. And uh, I debated. I don't really need to write all that down, do I? He's way back east somewhere. I'll never see him again. 
But time had gone by. It took me a year and a half to get my captain's license back. When I got it back, I'm back running fishing boats and stuff like that. One of the days, I make my announcement after we anchor up the boat. This is where we're sitting. This is the type of fish we'll probably be trying to catch. This is how you fish for them, blah, 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 blah. And I look out the side window, and guess who's on the boat? <laughs> he come out to visit some friends, because he used to live there in Huntington Beach, and he's out fishing. And I, finally, it took me a while to get the nerve, but I walked up to him, and I said, I need to make amends to you. And he goes, what about? He didn't even think nothing about it. He didn't even know that I stole the tools. He didn't miss them. <laughs> and I worried about that for a while. But that's what we do when we do these uh, steps, like the four step and stuff. We write step down no matter what. Doing the ninth step was really not a big deal. I had one guy get mad at me and say, get out of here, I don't want to ever see you again. But the other things was really, they go, we're happy for you. We're happy that you're putting your life back together. Um, step 10, continue to take personal inventory. Well, since I did the fourth step, I now know how to do it in my head. I can do the categories and stuff like that and figure out what my part was in it. And really? A lot easier. Prayer and meditation, 11. That, uh, sometimes I do it, sometimes I don't, I gotta be honest. I uh, sometimes still have problem with the higher power thing. That's gradually still going away. And, uh, but you heard me up here. Ask God for help. Help me do this. And uh, so we did. We do that now. The twelfth step. We read the promises in a lot of the meetings we go to. The greatest promise that I know of, that, or that I hear, is step twelve. Having had a spiritual awakening as the direct result of these steps. Not maybe having, having having had a spiritual awakening. What a great feeling that is. It, uh, now, back to where I was. When I first got my license back, I'd run some boats, but then I got asked to run a yacht down there in Newport Harbor for the Christmas parade. Now the Christmas parade is way worse than the 91 at five o'clock at night, okay? Way worse, because there's no brakes on the boats, okay? And they slide around because they don't have tires. And uh, I get on the boat, I don't know the boat. Never been on the boat. I'm the captain, I gotta go through the whole boat and check. I don't have to. I, fluff it off, but now I'm kind of getting the responsibility. So I go through the whole boat, I spend the whole day there, getting time to go, so I get changed into my little uniform thing. 
Hungry, angry, lonely, tired. I'm hungry. I'm not angry yet, but I'm lonely, and I'm tired because I've been there all day already. Three out of four. Bad combination. And I uh, got ready to get the boat underway, and we're loading the people on, and they had catered food for the, uh, for the boat. They call it the salon. I call it the galley. But anyway, they had all these trays of food out. One of those two trays, there were two trays. Green and yellow jello. Now, I've led a very sheltered life up to that point. Now, I, I started on them boats at 12 years old. I would take two days off all summer. I, I, that was my life out in the water. So they, uh, I go to reach for jello, and I hear a voice, a lady's voice. Boy, them jello shooters are strong. Be careful. Like it says in the big book, recoiled like a hot plane. Now look, nobody was there. Nobody was anywhere near there. That's how that happened. And uh, see, I had to be shown by examples. And I've had many of those experiences. I'll give you another one. We went to uh, three different years in a row. We went to uh, Joe and Charlie, Big Book Comes Alive, in person down in San Diego. And a whole bunch of us guys went down there. Two guys to a room and blah, blah, blah. And out back then was a smoker. Walk outside. And uh, I'm going to go across the street, get a cup of coffee. And uh, I get out there by the sidewalk. See this guy darting back and forth across the street. Okay. He's running up to me and he goes, I got my cigarette in my mouth. He goes, you got any cigarettes? Yeah, give me one. <laughs> didn't ask, give me one. I gave him one. He's flipping it up and down like this. What, you gonna light it for me? <laughs> I light it for him. As I'm lighting it, he's reaching in here and pulling out a firewood. And at the same time, my roommate came out of the door, came out the door of the room we were in. Jesse, you ready to go get coffee? I scared the guy. Thank you. It, uh, and I, there's been many things. Um, we are the luckiest people in the world to get a chance to live two lifetimes in one lifetime. I didn't understand that when I was new. And if you don't understand it, keep coming back. You will. It is such a great life. And I can tell you from experience that we can go through anything in life and we don't have to drink. I went through a nasty, nasty divorce 10 years ago, 34 years of marriage. We had a house for 30 years. I found out she refied it five times. We sold for $900,000. I got less than 100. I walked in on her and her boyfriend. Um, didn't have to drink over it. My health is not good. Let's know someone. Um, 
13 back surgeries, had five stents put in my heart, then I went through a four-way bypass. I've had half a lung removed. I've had vascular surgery on the left leg where they took the inner lining out. The right leg, they kept trying to brush it clean. That didn't work too well, 25 times of that. In the process, I had 100% blockage in the leg, the main and the secondary femoral artery. And it was 3 o'clock in the morning. If you're a diabetic, your sugar numbers go up around 3 in the morning. It's just a standard thing. It was 3 in the morning. So I've got major pain, stress to the body, and no circulation. Get to the hospital, and they brushed it out again. And I had blood blisters. The whole top of my foot was a blood blister. My big toe had a blood blister on it. Long story, kind of make short. We got the blood blisters taken care of, except for the one on the big toe. I wound up back in the same hospital, back up that way. And uh, I had passed out. I don't know, I don't remember the ambulance ride. I don't remember getting to ER. I don't remember none of it. I come to, and I look, and here's the same doctor that had I've been in that hospital for two weeks before. And every day they come in, we're gonna cut the big toe off. No, we'll cut the foot off. No, we're gonna cut it off the knee. No, we're gonna cut it off up there. Every day was something different. Really? I went down there, my vascular doctor said, when I left the hospital down here, down, he said, whatever you do, don't let them take your big toe off. There's absolutely nothing wrong with it. It's a blood blister, it's superficial. I get back in that hospital, and the guy says, well, welcome back. Now, you either let me take that big toe off or I'm gonna wheel you out onto Bear, um, Bear Street. Huh? Bear, yeah, Bear Valley. Bear Valley, yeah. And uh, leave you there. And I'm not all here yet. I said, whatever, Doc. They cut my big toe. Try to walk without a big toe. That was back in November. A few months ago, we finally got convinced that I had Dane Green in my foot in the bones. The gentleman over here um, is going through the same thing. I had a pick line up inside my heart, gave myself antibiotics every day. And luckily that went away. We had to cut the ball of my foot and stuff off. Like I said, we can go through anything in life. We don't have to drink full things. One, because we learn how not to drink. But two, I got a whole family right here. Our last name's alcoholic. I grew up as an only child and I got brothers and sisters everywhere. Thanks for letting me share. Thank you for letting me be here.